John chapter 4, verse 27, and it reads. At this point, his disciples, Jesus' disciples, came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman left then, left her water park and went her way into the city and said to the men, who did she talk to? Who did she talk to? Come on, flowers, talk back to me. Who did she talk to? Says this woman went into the city and said to the men, why did she talk to the men? Because she knew all of them. They caught it in the back. Front row's like, wait, which? <laughs> she knew all of them. And look what she said. Come see a man, Jesus, who told me all things that I ever did. When you understand scripture, you understand how hilarious it is. This was a Samaritan woman that came up to Jesus. Jesus had a conversation encounter with her, and I'll explain it a little bit later. But as she was talking to Jesus, Jesus said, go get your husband. She responded by saying, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you are correct that you don't have a husband. You've had five. Come on now, that'd be a really awkward service. And he said, and the one that you're living with right now is not even your husband. You've had five failed marriages. It didn't work out. So you're just shacking. You're just like, whatever. And then she went to all the men and said, come see a man that told me everything I've ever done. And Mark said, he told you what we did? Oh, gosh. I... <laughs> you read on in the story. The Bible says all the men of the city came. They're like, what does he know about me? She said, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. And in another part, she said, and did not judge me and did not look down on me. She said, could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him in the meantime. Somebody said the meantime. That means there's another story going on. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. You haven't eaten all day. Eat some food. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his. Somebody say, I want to finish his work. Somebody say, I want to finish God's work. He said, do not say there are still four months, then comes the harvest. But behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. But both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Father God, we're grateful that you are the God that turns everything that the enemy meant for evil God, for our good. God, there's so many people under the sound of my voice, God, that we have pain in our past. We have shame in our past. We have regret in our past. Not realizing that those things we regret, God, you can still turn it around for our good. God, give us faith for the future. God, speak to us in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. Come on, Columbia. Can you shout amen? amen? Hallelujah. We're in week four. Somebody say week four. 
I feel like, bro, man, we in week four, week four of a series called On Purpose. Somebody say On Purpose. If you're new to Union Church, this is a talkback church. I don't like preaching by myself. I love when people talk with me, shout back at me, say preach that, all that other good stuff. So we just going to talk until you start talking. Somebody say On Purpose. The whole idea, the mindset behind this series is twofold. One, that every single human being that is breathing oxygen has a unique purpose, a call, a destiny. God has a plan for your life. Somebody say amen. Jeremiah 29 11 says this for I know the plans that I have for you says the Lord's plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future God said I've been to your future I've seen you five years from now I've seen you 10 years from now and just take my word for it you're gonna like what you see you're gonna like where you're going you're gonna like where I'm taking you I know we're only 15 seconds into this message but can we take a praise break anybody can thank God for the future that he has planned for you. Can anybody praise God that he's already gone before me? He's opened doors. He's made a way. He's worked it out on my behalf. So many people are stuck looking at the past, not understanding that the blood of Jesus has taken care of our past and he's guaranteeing a great friend. Somebody say, I have a purpose. And the whole point of this series is that people who understand that they have purpose, that you're not just making it up as you go along, that your life is not just happenstance. They live differently than people who don't know that they have. Everybody has purpose, but not everybody knows. And the people who don't know live differently than the people who do know. If you know, you know. For example, people who don't know that there's purpose on their life, they're devastated when people walk out of their life. People who don't understand that they have purpose respond to rejection differently. People who don't know how to have purpose, when someone walks out of their life, the first thought is, what's wrong with me? Come on, I'm preaching already. But people who have purpose, when people walk out of their life, they think, what's wrong with you? You're lost. You just walked out on the best thing that's ever happened Come on now. People of purpose look at pain differently than people who don't have purpose and don't know their purpose. People who don't know their purpose, they try to avoid pain at all costs. People who have purpose, they understand that pain is a pathway to my purpose. God's going to work this out for my good. One person said, oh my gosh, the enemy's attacking me. The next person says, oh my gosh, the enemy's afraid of me. It's all based on your, somebody say perspective. When you understand that there's purpose on your life, you live differently. You see the world. You ever ran into somebody, maybe at the supermarket or in your office or something like that, and you were on your way to a meeting and they had nowhere to go? You ever been in one of them conversations? They have all the time in the world and and you're actually headed somewhere? And like, oh my goodness, it is so good to run into you. And in that moment as a Christian, you have to make a decision. Do I lie? (laughs) Let's go through the lies. I'm glad we ran into each other. That's a lie. (laughs) Man, I've missed you. That's a lie. (laughs) Oh, you can. 
It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Good to see you. How's the kids? How's the kids? They're alive. Man, life is good. Life's great. You, you, you know how you give answers, and in your answers, there's a code under it that says, I've got somewhere to go. And they don't have anywhere to go, so they're clueless. They are missing out on, man, I, I was watching you on Instagram. Looked like you had a lot of fun on that vacation three years ago. Tell me about it. Ah, you left your phone in the car. You're reaching for a phone call. Because when you, come on, I'm not the only one to be lying. How about, but when you have somewhere to go, when there's, when there's a purpose to your life, you live with an intentionality. That not everybody lives with. Now, now here's what happens. We've been in purpose for the last four weeks. And, and the whole point of preaching is to encourage and inspire and build people up. Come on, flowers. My hope is that you walk out of church just like filled with faith. And what I've found over these last four weeks on purpose is I've caused more anxiety than any other service I've ever preached. I'm like, hey, you have purpose. And people walking out like, oh my gosh, I have purpose. How do I know what my purpose is? I haven't always been living for God. Did I miss my purpose? Has he given up on my purpose? What do I, how do I, how do I? And there's just all of this pressure of how do I figure out the purpose that God has for me? The, the death, there's just like, man, what if I'm messing up my purpose? Well, today's message will not answer any of those questions. I, you take that to the cross. I got nothing for that. But <laughs> I want to preach a message today called the miracle in the mundane. The miracle in the mundane. And in John chapter 4, we run into one of the most awkward encounters recorded in all scripture. And here's, the, here's why it's so important to read your Bible and to understand scripture. Because if you don't understand what's going on, you can just brush over something and miss the awkwardness in that moment. To, to the naked eye, it may look like Jesus just sat next to a well and he was thirsty and he just started talking to a woman. You got to understand there was so much more to what happened in this moment. The Bible says that Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Galilee. As you read on in scripture, Galilee is where Jesus took two fish and five loaves and he fed 5,000 families with it. Just 48 hours from that moment, there was going to be the greatest miracle those disciples had ever seen in that moment of their lives. Jesus was on his way to, to cast devils out of people, to open blind eyes. Supernatural miracles were just days away. Somebody say, in Galilee. But the Bible says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Not that he wanted to. Not that he had to. But that he needed to go through Samaria. You got to understand, there was nothing but conflict and disagreement between Israel and Samaria. Samaria was made up of people who used to be followers of God. But they decided that they wanted to mix God with idols. They decided that they wanted a little bit of God and a little bit of Baal, a little bit of God, a little bit of Melech, a little bit of God's way and a little bit of the world's way. They were the definition of hypocrisy. They were the definition of being double-minded. And it was so in the mindset of Israel that if you step foot into that land, you too will compromise on your faith in God because bad company corrupts good character. Israel was so serious about it that they would walk the long way around Samaria just as to not walk through the city and have a conversation that might turn their heart from God. 
They looked down on the Samaritans. They were the outcasts. There probably had not been a Jewish man across the border of Samaria for years and years and years. And here is the creator of the universe saying, I have to go there. So you could just imagine Jesus walking into Samaria and the disciples, they're probably about 10 steps behind like, yo, Peter, you want to tell him? <laughs> I mean, he said, there got to be a better way. This is, this is, this is weird. They're looking around. Everybody's looking. And Jesus, he, he, he just don't care. He just sits down at the well. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Hey, Peter speaks. Up, I'm going to go get you something to eat. And I think the disciples were so excited to get away from that awkward moment. They said, Let's, and they all go and they grab something for Jesus to eat. Jesus is sitting by this well. And, and this woman walks up. Somebody say awkward number two. Jews did not talk to Samaritans. Somebody say check. Jewish men did not talk to Samaritan men. Somebody say, check. Jewish men certainly did not talk to Samaritan women. Here this woman walks up with this jar, getting water out the well. And Jesus said, I thirst. Can can you give me something to drink? You got to imagine the moment. I think she almost dropped her jaw. You're talking to me? She said, Samaritans don't even associate with Jews. Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for something to drink. Sometimes God encounters, you don't even know what's going on. She said, you don't got a jar. (laughs) You know, it's a God moment. God's all the way up here. Homegirl is like, why would I ask you for something to drink? You don't even have a jar. Now, the Bible says she's talking to living water, but she's just seen in the natural. Write this down. Purpose is rarely comfortable. Purpose is rarely comfortable. So many people want to hear an audible voice from God. I have called you to quit your job and become a real estate investor to the world. And I will bless everything you bless. And I will curse Everything that you curse, you won't be just sitting there in Glen Burnie. I hear you, Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. <laughs> I, I mean, just, just everybody wants to think like this clarity of this is the purpose that God He spoke to me. Yeah. Hear me, destiny purpose is less found in the vo- audible voice of God and more found in a decision for the uncomfortable. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, for the gate is narrow. Come on, flowers. Somebody say narrow. The gate is narrow and the way is hard. Baltimore, say hard. Come on, say hard. What is hard? The opposite of easy. You can say, I was educated. I went to college park. (laughs) Took me four years and a lot of money to learn that. Hard? Hard ain't easy. He said, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and few find it. Now, I'm going to make it a statement and it is theologically incorrect. So don't write me no emails, but it makes perfect sense. Some people have been saved too long. <laughs> huh? You know, some, people, some people are just too saved. You ever met somebody who was too saved? How do I know you're too saved? Did I ask you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. 
Listen, based on them bags under your eyes, you look pretty stressed. I mean, I'm sure you're blessed, but I mean, just here's what I mean by too saved. There's no such thing as being too saved. If you ain't saved, get saved today. But some people have been walking with Christ and reading their Bible so much that God is no longer able to show you something new because you've heard it already and you make an assumption about what it says even before you read it. Come on now. This passage that we're talking about, as you read it in Matthew 7, it says, broad is the road to destruction and many are on it. Narrow is the road to life and few find it. And because all of us are too saved, we read this as broad is the road to hell and everybody and their mama going there and narrow is the road to heaven and few find it. But that's not what the verse said. It says broad is the road to destruction. Hear me. Hell is the ultimate destruction. But before you get to the ultimate destruction, bankruptcy is the destruction of your credit score. <laughs> Come on now. Wrapping your car around a pole is the destruction of your vehicle. Yelling, screaming, cussing, and punching holes in the wall are the destruction of this relationship. And there's a lot of destruction along the way to the ultimate destruction. It says narrow is the road to life. And yes, eternal life, heaven, is the ultimate life. Come on now. But seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living is life on life on life on life. And here's what it said. Hey, there's a big road that leads to a jacked up life. And a lot of people are on it. And there's a narrow road that leads to a life that is above and beyond anything you can ask, think, or imagine. And few people find it. But watch this. The narrow road to a good life, here's what the Bible says. It's hard. It's not just narrow, but it's difficult. And if you want to figure out, how do I find my purpose? How do I walk in miracles? How do I see all that God has for me? Here's decision number one. I'm going to pick the hard way, not just the convenient way. Hold on one second. I go find me an amen. Okay, I found one. I found one. I found one. Okay, we good. We good. <laughs> Pray for your pastor. I'm crazy. No, no, no. Let, let's, let's, let's get, can, can we get practical? I want to have a purpose-driven marriage. I want, as I raise my kids, that there's purpose, that there's destiny on their life. How do I do that? Somebody say step number one. Step number one. Here's how you have a great marriage, great kids, great family. See what everybody else is doing. And don't do that. Come on now. Broad destruction. Narrow. What are you doing? Man, my daddy taught me. Get out of line. You punch him in the chest. Okay, great. Don't punch my son in the chest. All right. I just smack him in the back of his head. I'll try that. <laughs> Come on now. How do I have a purpose-driven marriage? Okay, let's start here. Get married. Because broad is the road to, oh, we love each other. Bro, bro, broad is the road. That, that's my significant other. No, is that your wife? Is that your husband? 
Otherwise, y'all both single, but we ain't going back to the marriage series. Step number one, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm not going to do it the popular way. Can, can, can I give you another, I know we're on marriage. We're going to go to money and all that. Can, can I give you another way to, to, to have a really great marriage? Pick unity over convenience. Almost anybody can get married. You just got to go to the courthouse. But not everybody can be unified on the same vision. You can live in the same house with someone and have the same last name. But that doesn't mean you're heading in the same direction. We're not just going to be married. We're going to be unified because the Bible says that when two agree on earth, there is nothing that cannot happen for them. I don't have to go to church for that. I just have to get on the same page with my wife. Somebody say he's going somewhere. Can, can, can I tell you how to be unified in your marriage? Two ways. The first thing is this. Stop dancing. You know what I mean? Married folks are just amazing dancers. I'm not, but they just, I mean, just, just sousing up. I can, woo, what are you doing? I'm dancing around every issue that we ever had. I'm not talking about that. I'm just going dance and just, and just dance. That's the convenient way. What's the uncomfortable way? Hey, let's get ready to rumble. In the red corner, we have this house is too small. We must move right now to a better school district. And in the blue corner, we have no. Let's pay off debt and save for retirement now. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Touch gloves. Touch gloves. No low blows. Do not talk about his mother. Let's get it on. It's amazing how you could be married for someone for years and never have one real conversation. I love you. I'm committed to you. My wife's on the front row. But I ain't always going to agree with you. And she definitely don't agree with me. <laughs> and we can pick the convenient route. Or we can say, this is going to be uncomfortable. But we're going to have a better marriage as a result of it. Number two, because they all go home, they'd be fist to cough, everybody losing their mind. <laughs> the second thing is to choose to serve their vision before serving yours. Oh, it's easy to stand up for your rights. But it's inconvenient to say, no, 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 we'll do your dream first and then we'll go to mine second. Hey, if you want to have great friendships... Pick the uncomfortable route, not the convenient route. So at some point, sometime I'm going to preach a series about friendships. Because some reason, in 2022, people don't know how to be friends. It's like this. If you can help me get to my vision, we cool. The second I can't use you, come on now. That's easy. That's convenient. Which means it's going to lead to destruction. Which means I want to pick the path that says, you have nothing to offer me, but I've got your back. And it's not because you can do something for me. It's because God has called me to you. I don't know what it is. There's some type of divine connection. And I'm going to make sure that you win, even though it benefits me. Somebody say, I'm going to pick the uncomfortable route. Come on, can we talk about your money? How do I maximize my finances? How do I... How do I have more than enough? Well, just figure out what everybody else is doing and don't do that. 
He said, narrow is the road to life and few find it. He also said, it's going to be hard. So if it's super easy, chances are it's not going to lead you where you want to go. I was talking to a friend this week, and he was talking about this investment. Man, I'm getting ready to do this. It's going to be amazing. I'm like, man, that must be nice. I can't afford that. And he said, oh, 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 OPM. I said, OPM? It sounds like a drug. What do you sniff it? You snort it? You smoke it? Like, I don't do drugs, but I'll try anything. What you got? <laughs> he said, OPM. I'm like, what does that mean? He said, other people's money. Doesn't matter if you can't afford it. Just, just grab other people's money. I'm like, okay, what's everybody else doing? Grabbing other people's money. It's called debt. But here's the problem with other people's money. Other people come back for their money. <laughs> like, they don't just give it to you and leave. They, they come back actually once a month. <laughs> said, I need a little bit of my money and a little bit extra. What happens when I'm taking all of other people's money and I'm, I can't pay back other people's money? You know what happens? OPM goes to OPP. <laughs> other people's prison. No, no, no. It's all right. I'll move slow. I'll pay off my debt. I'll be the tortoise, not the hare. But if you remember the allegory, that turtle, fear the turtle. The college park turtle. He always finishes first. Look at this in verse 39. It says that many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Jesus because of the word, the woman of the woman who testified. She said, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. Watch this. Jesus encountered this woman that she was, she was just loose. She was, she was, she was, she was if she lived in 2022, there would be a reality show about her life. And she'd be really, really rich. And you'd probably be wearing her makeup. But anyway. <laughs> pastor, just pastor. Pa- pastor, calm down. Calm down. Y'all extra. It says that Jesus told her, I know everything that you've done. And I still love you. Still want you. Still have a purpose for you. She was so messed up by the fact that everybody, that Jesus knew her dirt and did not judge her. That she ran and told an entire city, come see a man who knows me. No, he knows you. Yeah, he knows me. And he still wants me to be a part of his family. He still wants me to be a part of his kingdom. This is not in the message, just a side note. I really wonder if someone has been transformed by God when they're able to keep it to themselves. Because when you've really had an encounter with God where he knows the darkest parts of you, but yet he still loves you, has forgiven you, has called you and wants to use you. The Bible says it's like fire shut up in your bones. You got to tell your mama and your cousin and your coworker and your nail tech and every single person. You would not believe who I met. Somebody who knows my dirt and still wants me to be a part of their family. It says the whole city. Yo, this was the first tent revival ever recorded in scripture. Just think about the neighborhood where you live. The apartment complex, the neighborhood with 50 homes, townhouses, whatever. Imagine every single person in your neighborhood, outside of their house, in the street, listening to this man preach. 
The Bible says that there were so many people getting saved that Jesus had to stay for two days. Do you know that the 5,000 being fed by the loaves and fishes was two days late? That the miracles of God got delayed because of this supernatural revival. Watch this. All of us would like to be the person that made that revival happen. But that revival happened because of one uncomfortable decision. We want a big purpose. God's going to give us a little problem. He said, if you make an uncomfortable decision in that little problem, watch that uncomfortable decision turn into a revival that you never thought possible. Matthew 25, 23, his master replied, well done. You are a good and faithful servant. Watch this, because you've been faithful over little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come celebrate with me. I was talking to some friends and I was telling them, man, if I knew freshman year of college that my GPA equaled my income when I graduated, I'd have spent more time in the library and less time in the gym. But freshman year, nobody told me that a 2.7 versus a 3.1 is a $15,000 difference. I'd have been like, oh, I'm going to the library. I ain't got time for it. And so many people don't realize that my faithfulness with a little inconvenience results in a miracle that other people wish they had. Yeah. And everybody's waiting around for a miracle. God's saying, what you going to do with that minor thing I'm putting in front of you right now? Second thing is this, write this down. There is purpose in every minute. There's purpose in every... I am so glad that my life is not recorded in Scripture. You, you, you may not be glad. You, you might be, uh, I, I wish I was in the Bible. No, you don't. Because what you don't understand is the Bible is like 25% of people's faith and 75% of people's issues. And I don't want you to know my issues. I'm going to But I look at the people in Scripture, and I'll talk to them when I get in heaven. They'll probably beat me up. But I just be looking at it like, bro, what were you thinking? Like, I just like, what were you thinking? I want to talk to Peter. Be like, Jesus walking on water. Everybody in the common sense sitting in the boat. You the dummy saying, if you're God, let me walk on water. Bruh, what were you thinking? Ain't nothing wrong with the boat. Boat's not sinking. Jesus gets in the boat. Storm comes. Boat's getting ready to sink. Jesus is asleep. You really think Jesus is going to die in the boat? You think he came down from heaven to die in the boat? <laughs> I'm just like, what were you? Here's my what were you thinking moment. They go to Samaria. Everybody say Samaria. Jesus sits down at the well, says, I'm tired. Somebody say, I'm tired. They say, hey, let's go get Jesus some food. We're in Sunday school today. You ain't been in Sunday school in 30 years. Here's the question. Yell back at me. How many disciples did Jesus have? Come on, you heard somebody next to you. Now you know the answer. Okay, here we go. How many disciples did Jesus have? How many people does it take to make a Chick-fil-A order? Why did it take all 12 to go order Jesus and eight count some waffle fries? <laughs> Nobody had the thought, hey, Jesus is staying at the well. I'll stay with him. All 12. And they probably felt so good. We about to serve Jesus. We're going to get Jesus some food. And nobody thought, if Jesus is there, why am I leaving? Yeah. Here's why. Because there was going to be a miracle in Galilee that they knew about. 
But they never thought there could be miracles in that minute that they turned their back. For so many people, it's amazing how people are tormented by purpose. Man, man what, what will the future look like? What, 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 what will I ever accomplish? What, 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 what will my business what, what, Will I ever get that house? Will I ever have kids? Will I, what, so tormented by the future that you're missing the miracle in the now. Not even realizing, yes, I'm believing God for a job and he will provide you with a job, but there's a miracle in that interview. And you're so focused on the finish line, not missing out on the fact that there's something in this 30 minutes of me sweating and trying to remember the CEO's name that God is looking to do in this moment. Yes, if you're sick, God will heal you. There is healing in your future, but there's a miracle in the consultation that you're having right now. And we're so locked on what we want in the future that we're leaving Jesus in a miraculous moment thinking it's coming two days from now. I said, no, 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 no. Monday's going to be great. There's a miracle at 2 p.m. on Sunday. That has your name. Proverbs 25, 2 says this. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. So, so, somebody say, I'm a, I'm a king. Come on, somebody say, I'm a king. Okay, can I get some women to say, I'm a king? This sounds like a gender issue, Pastor. I'm not a king. If I'm going to be anything, I'm going to be a queen. Listen, this isn't about gender. This is about position. So somebody just say it this way. Somebody say, I run things. There you go. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the God that we serve loves to hide things. And people who run this world love to seek them out. God doesn't put purpose on the dresser for everybody to see. God doesn't put destiny in your front porch. As soon as you open the window, you see it. He hides it in a conversation. He hides it in a job that you hate, but he's put you there. He's hide you in a one-sided relationship where they have nothing to offer you, but God's called you to have their back. And he says, why? Because if purpose, if destiny was obvious, everybody would have it. And watch this, everybody would abuse it. And God says, no, no, no. When I'm talking about people who change the world, it can only be a select few. I got to make sure it's not obvious. And what happens is we're so locked on the next goal that we have that we're not even taking time to search out the miracle. That's right. I, I have three kids, five-year-old Zoe, three-year-old Roman, eight-month-old Jade. Anybody who has kids, you'll understand. Um, I love them. But... You know, sometimes in little boogers, they make no sense. And you know, you, you don't want to kill their self-esteem, so you, you got to listen to them and, and act like they're making sense. And my three-year-old room, daddy, 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 that's what you call me, daddy, daddy, daddy. yes, Roman, daddy, yes, yes, yes. Daddy, the grass is blue. Grass is blue. Roman, the grass is green. No, daddy, the grass is blue. Are you going blind? Bro, it's green. Daddy, the grass is blue. Did your mama teach you that? What is wrong with you? Wow. <laughs> There's just some conversations that make no sense. Can I just talk as a father for a second? And there's such a, a temptation to rush those conversations. Hey, glad, buddy. I'm tired. Go sit down. Hey, go play in the blue grass. Whatever. I got to... <laughs> 
Sometimes when I pause and I look him in the eye and it's like Roman telling me, sometimes it's daddy, the grass is blue. Sometimes it's daddy, guess what? Like, what, Roman? Jesus is my best friend. I'm like, where'd you learn that? I learned that at school or learned that at church. And daddy, Jesus has a plan for my life. And I'm like, buddy, he does. He'll go and he'll take my glasses off, act like my eyes are hurting. And I'll think, how many of those moments have I missed? Because I was so busy rushing to the next goal. God has a great future for you. But he has a great right now for you. And we could be so locked on tomorrow that we're missing the miracle of today. Last thing is this. Write this down. Walking in purpose is beyond fulfilling. Hear me. Everybody wants to be fulfilled. Everybody wants to feel like I made it. And watch this. That desire to have made it is God-given. Don't feel guilty about that. God's put something inside of you that has a desire to look at your marriage and your money and your career and your business and have a sense of pride. That's a godly sense of excellence. But there's a feeling beyond I've made it. Verse 31, it says this. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to which, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has someone else brought him anything to eat? It's once again, Jesus is up here. Disciples are down here lost. Said, Jesus, you were hungry. You brought your food. You should eat. Jesus said, I'm full. Wait, somebody fed him. Jesus said, there's a food that'll fill your stomach there's a food that will fill your soul. And if you're only focused on the food that will fill your stomach, you'll be hungry tomorrow. But if you focus on the food that will fill your soul, you'll be full for a lifetime. Verse 34, he said, my food is to do the will of God, the one who sent me. And to finish, somebody say, I want to finish his work. And here's what he said. He said, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already right with harvest. I I need you, we're we're all going to do an exercise. Look down on the ground. Maybe you're looking at your notes. Get off of Instagram, but look down. Now just slowly bring your eyes up and look up ahead of you. We're going to activate everybody's imagination right now, Columbia. And as you're looking out in front of you, picture about four or 500 men with white turbans on their head and this Samaritan woman in front of them saying, come see the man. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he said, you're worried about what you're going to eat today. But I found purpose that is beyond just food. He said, you said that the harvest is coming for me. He said, but look up. And they look up and they see all these white turbans. He said, look, the fields, those are the fields. They're, they're ripe with harvest. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, there's a purpose that's beyond money. There's a purpose beyond having a great marriage. And I hope you have a great marriage, but that is not the essence of purpose. There's a purpose beyond having all your children get to 18 and get to the best college and get scholarship. He said there's something that is bigger than just the accomplishments of life. 
And that's being able to transform somebody else's life. And he said, if you would tap into that purpose, you wouldn't need the next goal to feel good about yourself. Because you would have tapped into a purpose that can only come from your Heavenly Father. Every Sunday, I stand on a platform and I preach the good news of God. The whole reason why I stand on this platform is so that people in the back can see me. If I were to be down here on the ground, you'd be straining your neck. You'd be, I can't, I can't see. So, so I'm up on a platform. Watch this. The only purpose of this platform is to make sure that the message can go as far as it possibly can go. Now we don't just have a platform. We have cameras. That is another platform. It's to make sure that the message can go. How dumb would it be if all I thought about was how good the platform is and put no thought into the message that needs to go forth from this platform? Your marriage is a platform. Your money is a platform. Your business is a platform. Your health is a platform. And could it be that we're spending all of our time, energy, and prayer on God, build up my platform. And he's saying, do you even know what that platform is for? So that when you've built a great marriage, you can use that marriage as a tool to tell people this would not have happened outside of the grace of God. Come see a man who knew that we were getting ready to get a divorce, but yet he spoke life and love back into this marriage and he can do the same thing for you. God, will you give me more money? Yes, as soon as you figure out that your money is a... There's nothing wrong with wanting money. Here's why. Because if you don't have any, not a lot of people are going to hear what you have to say. But once you have it, is that your end goal? Or is that, I've built a platform. Now let me tell you how I built this. If it had not been for the grace of God, none of this would have been possible. Hear me. God wants you to have an amazing life. But not just for the sake of having an amazing life. So that you can use that life to declare to the world. Let me tell you about a man. He said that is the only place where true satisfaction will come from. Where true fulfillment comes from. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. That there's purpose on every single person. God, you know our mistakes, our sins, our, our inconsistencies, our hypocrisies. And, and yet you still have a great future for us. Father God, I pray that you'd help us to be a people that pick, pick inconvenience. That don't pick the easy path, but pick God's path. God, I pray that you would help us see that our money, our marriage, our kids, our businesses, God, they're platforms for us to point people to the hope that we found in you. Right where you're sitting, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just take one moment to allow God to make this message personal to you. For some of you, God is saying, you've been ignoring that platform. Will you let me use it? to point people to myself. For some of you, if you'd be honest, you would say, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with the God that you're talking about. One of the things that I realized is you could believe in church and not believe in God. 
You can believe in God and not belong to God. Today, I want to ask you, not do you believe in him, but do you belong to him? See the one that's the center of your life and leading your direction. If not, you're on a road to destruction. But if not, you can change that decision right now. Right where you're sitting, can, can you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for picking inconvenience, for picking the hard way, for picking the cross. Thank you for dying for my sin, for my mistake, so that I can be forgiven. Right now, I give you my life. I surrender. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every...